0: Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hi friends and welcome to the show. I'm, I'm pumped every day, honestly, when I get to do this podcast, when I get to make videos for you guys. Um, I know I talk about that here on the show from time to time, but I really enjoy this. Um, it's a lot of fun and I know it helps a lot of people. So today, let's sit down, grab a cup of coffee like I have right here. And uh, let's talk about a number of things. How to integrate your video and lighting together. A not-so-new lighting brand. And also, um, your questions answered. So it's been a minute since we had a podcast, um, you know, with the with the holidays and everything. And the fact that my wife either at this point has had a baby. Um, My wife and I. I mean, the baby came out of her, but it's our baby. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're due on the first of the year. Um, of course, I'm. this is late December when I'm recording this. And um, either the baby's come or the baby's coming soon. Um, and so you know, there's, there's been a gap here, and that's okay. And there might be a gap after that, too. And after this, too. And you know what? That's okay. Um, now, the good news is that um, there's a lot of questions in my inbox. So many questions to answer. I'm going to get through as many of them as I can. But first, I want to talk about a few uh, quick topics about some not so new trends in this world of lighting. What do you mean? Well, uh, the first is just coming back from the LDI trade show that was in late November. Of course, and it's about a month after that, so I'm really reflecting on my time there. And thinking about also, uh, my friends at Onyx put out their Pixel Mapper Dylos. It's in beta at this point, and by early January, it should be coming out to the public, um, to the regular release. Honestly, it's plenty stable now. When we think about lighting, and we think about video... This is something that's kind of interesting to me is the integration of these two. And this is not a new trend, right? You might be saying, okay, David, duh, right? This is not a new trend because at the core, this is interesting because this is something that I've heard lately more and more, and it's an interesting way to wrap your head around it. At the core, lighting and video are actually the same thing. Let that sink in for a minute. For years and years, uh, especially as I've been in this business and, and, you know, doing lighting, lighting and video have been different animals by different crews that uh, are completely different things. They're, uh, you know, often <laughs> fighting with each other over who's making things look good or look bad. And uh, but the truth is probably part of the reason that that tension's there is because they're actually we're actually working with the same thing, right? Right because in this day and age with LEDs and video walls and and pixels and lights that have pixels on them, lighting and video have never been so intertwined because they're actually the same thing, right? They're intensity and color upon pixels, okay? Or intensity and color upon lights. But either way, it's the same stuff when you look at it, right? There's more and more examples Especially with like Onyx's Dialos, uh, the integration, their media server, and, and other, other brands have had media servers, and there's been other media servers over the, the, the ages. But there's um, it, more and more you could go to a show, say you go to the next big show, uh, next big arena concert um, in your local area, and you could see something happening on that stage and literally not know if it was genu- generated from video or from a lighting console or a hybrid of the two. It might look like video, but maybe it's a lighting effect. Okay. It might look like lighting, but maybe it's a video effect. And that's the cool thing about this is the, these two worlds are are really coming together um, more and more than ever before, because for years, I mean, since led walls have come out, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to mature in the market. Now they've been out for quite a while. Um, You know, video and lighting have been coming together and we've known about this, but I feel like here at the end of 2019, start of 2020, we really see kind of the fruits of that labor, right? Because what we're seeing now and what I'm seeing, which is really cool and interesting is that the line is very blurry between what's lighting and what's video. And there doesn't have to be a line there. It's all visual, right? it's all working with the same senses. We're still all not the sound guy. Okay, you guys might be and honestly, and I run audio too, from time to time, you guys probably know. Um, so I'm not bashing the sound guy. In fact, I quite enjoy audio uh, as on the side. But um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, talk about that for a minute, because I think it's cool. I think it's awesome that more than ever before, video and lighting are coming together. And we have the tools at really low cost. I mean, Onyx with their dialos pixel mapper built in is free for a certain extent to use it. Free, 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 free. And inexpensive to unlock a lot more. Okay? And that is so cool. That is awesome. And so more than ever, we can integrate these two things for really, really reasonable cost. And I think that is so cool. So that's that's the not-so-new trend of the day. And then the other not-so-new thing is. This company, Gamma LED Vision. I met these guys at LDI at the Lighting Trade Show. And um, I put out a video on YouTube recently that I want you guys to check out because honestly, this is like why I do this site is to bring stuff like this to you. Because here we've got somebody, I first walked up to them as I'll explain in the video that and said, thought, okay, this is just an importer of um, Asian lights of some kind. You know, they're just bringing stuff in and reselling it. Some kind of low quality, you know, bad quality control um, importer. We've got plenty of those. We don't need another. But then they started pulling their lights out and I started really actually looking at their lights and, and the build quality, you know, just even before the lights were even on, just looking at the build quality, just looking at the buttons, the menus, the plugs on the lights, the way that the plastics were done and, and the metal and the metal on, on par units and stuff. I, I started looking at them and I said, oh, you know what? This is not the same old, same old this is actually something different. And then I started talking to these people and I realized for not a lot more money than like the really cheap stuff, you can get like a really nice light from Gamma. And so where have these people been hiding? You know, that's what I want to know. It's like, because they're beating out the big names and also what they're doing, which I really love and I think makes them unique is they've really committed to a long product cycle. That's like really key to them is, and what, what that means, you know, to get out of the manufacturer jibber jabber. Is that when they make something, when they bring out a par or a moving light or something like that, their goal is to sell them and to keep them, keep that a model for as long as possible. Okay. And I love that because so often, you know, the big manufacturers, they do a lot of R&D, and they bring us the newest, latest, greatest stuff in the market, and, and they're awesome for that. You know, Alation and ADJ and Chauvet and all the other big names out there, um, especially the, the real big names like, you know, Verilite and used to be, well, Martin used to be a big name. Um, they're not as big anymore. But these are the companies that often bring the biggest innovation. But the thing that they also do that drives me nuts is that they'll take a perfectly good light, whether it's a par or a moving light. And after like a year, they revise it, change the model number slightly, and change the feature slightly. And there was no need to do that. It's purely to have another new product and to have something new to market, okay? And to say, oh, we've got something new. This is cool. But it's barely different from the old. And the problem that this creates is not only is it expensive, Because there's all that, there's R&D, there's packaging, there's websites, there's training of their dealers. You know, it's all this stuff they got to do to bring out this new light. But also, you know, there's just the fact that if I bought two of the light last year and now I want to buy two more, I may not literally be able to get them and have four matching lights. And I want four matching lights. I don't want four mostly matching lights because that's a lot harder to program and to work with. So that's my soapbox there. Check out Gamma. Give them a call. They're really cool. Uh, Their lights are really nice. And probably the reason you haven't heard from them is they just like to do a lot of face-to-face selling, you know, over the phone or via email. Um, They don't have their stuff listed online many places. And that's kind of kept them a secret for a long time. But I'm like, I'm looking at this stuff. I demoed their lights. I got some here. And they're really nice stuff. Like, they really are. They didn't pay me to say that. Um, This is legit. And so um, I'm enjoying checking out their stuff. And we're going to work more together. Um, They've been super accommodating and super nice to just make sure I have demo units and any information I need. And I think, you know, when we're talking about bang for the buck and something quality, for reasonable costs. They they really fit the bill there. So check them out. GammaLEDvision.com. And I'll have the YouTube link, of course, for my video, uh, which is probably what you want to check out in the description in the podcast notes. Moving on, we're going to keep doing this podcast. I'm trying to answer as many of your questions as I can today that have come in. Um, Right now, I'm starting at November 9th in the inbox. Um, Again, you know, guys, I talk about this every time, but if you've written in a a question and I haven't gotten to it yet and you really want an answer, check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs at learnstagelighting.com slash labs. Seriously, because this is where we, you know, between JP and myself, JP is my community manager, we go ahead and we answer questions really quick, like within a day or two, okay? And we guide people along, give them a really personalized way to get great with lighting and get the results that you want. So uh, not only is there that, but there's a whole library of courses that we call action plans, where you can dive in in in, Learn Stage Lighting Labs, um, you know, ask us, hey, here's what I want to do, where should I go? And we'll, we'll point you to a course, you can go through it. And as you have questions, and as you're working to apply it To your specific lighting, then just ask us in the forums how you know about what what you got questions about, and then we'll help you. It's literally that simple, okay? Um, it's the coolest thing, it's so simple, and it's a really great value. So, if you do want to be answered quicker, um, you know, I apologize for the huge backlog on questions here, but at the same time, you know, that's that's what I really like to do here. And I was talking to somebody about that the other day, just to try to stay off the soapbox, but. If I literally spent my time answering everything that came in through YouTube comments and website comments and and the email, um, I would not have time to make the resources to actually explain this stuff to you guys and actually help people, okay? It would just be very superficial, very low level, just text responses via email, and it wouldn't be that helpful to you. Uh, And I wouldn't be able to do new videos on YouTube. I just wouldn't have time for that because there's so much coming in. So by answering them here on the podcast and having a bit of a delay to them, um, you know, that allows me to go with the people that that do join us in the labs, which is, again, really reasonable cost-wise. It allows us to go deep and to get your questions answered quickly and to work with you really fast. Uh, And I think it's better than honestly, than even working one-on-one with someone like me. Because now you're not dependent on just my schedule. We've got JP there as well helping out. And we can really dive deep into your details. And you know, if you come back after a couple months and ask a question, we'll look back at what you've talked about before. And we're looking within that context. It's, it's way better than asking on a Facebook group or anything like that. But we'll answer your questions here today. So Alyssa writes in, And she says, I'm looking to better understand how to feed electricity to both traditional conventional lights and to moving lights. I know trads use a grad, okay, while moving lights use a distributor. Um, I like to better know the signal route from electrical outputs to fixtures to a console. Have you helped? Have you written anything on this? Thanks, Alyssa. So I'm not sure I have, Alyssa, um, probably because for the most part, you know, a lot of the people that come to the site are um, not doing larger rigs of conventionals and moving lights. Some are. But here's the basics. okay? If you've got a conventional light, it uses a dimmer rack or a dimmer pack. It just it uses a dimmer, right? And so that dimmer is going to plug into wall power or be hardwired in permanently if it's a dimmer rack often. And it's also going to get a DMX feed from the console. Then out of that dimmer rack comes um, power, through a power cable to the lights, and then the dimmer turns on and off those lights as the console controls it. Very simple, okay? Now, when we talk about moving lights, it's, it's a little bit different in LEDs and things that are not runoff dimmers, because they get two things, okay? They get power, and they also get data or information, which at the end of the day is not that different from the dimmer rack. But we need to look at the two separately because oftentimes you may come up with different schemes to get power and data to these lights, uh, depending on just kind of what's the most efficient. Okay, so in a larger rig, um, when you've got a number of lights, you do use a power distribution board. And and all that is, is it's basically just a glorified breaker box, a power distribution panel or, or a power distro as we call them. It's just like a breaker box in your house or in a building. Okay, but it's rugged. It's built for the road. It's built to last a long time. Um, They're also expensive, um, but but to last forever if you buy something good, and and so those tie into a high amount of power. You know, usually using a connector like cam locks into the main power feed of whatever venue you're at, and then they just break out power into smaller segments for your moving lights for your LEDs. Okay. Now, to to get that power to your moving lights and your LEDs, they often will use something called Socapex, which is a multi-connector. It's got 19 pins in it, basically. It's a big, fat, um, about the size of your hand, about the size of the palm of your hand connector. And all that that allows you to do is use what's called a breakout on the end of it and get six different lines or six different circuits of power. So it's just like running six separate cords. Uh, it's just a lot cleaner and a lot faster to run and less of a headache of, of knots and stuff. And so and that's power. Okay. So we run that out to our lights. We, we turn them on. That's step one, but they still won't respond once we have power. Well, uh, after that, then we need to get DMX data to them. And that's going to be generally today, still via a three or five pin DMX line, uh, in the correct universe that you need those lights to respond on, and then you go from your console, you plug into the first light, and then you go from the DMX output to the second to the third, etc., until you finish out that universe of lights, and then you continue from there. So, I hope that helps, Alyssa. That's kind of a basic. Sean Baker, um, he says, "I'm sorry, I scared you." I watched your video on your videos on YouTube about DMXs, which was great. I had a question. I have a Chauvet shocker too that I'm trying to control with DMXs. I downloaded the files from the online library, set them to channel one, but still am not able to control the light where it is plugged in. I even bought a DMX Terminator to see if that helped, but no luck. Okay, Sean. So what I would do is remember this concept, okay, about DMXs. DMXs is like an old school lighting console in one sense. And that is that every channel is always outputting DMX. So whether you bring in that fixture file and put it on a fader, you know, like you said, you've put it on fader one, and it's maybe it's a, a two-channel fixture or three. It's a Chauvet Chakra. I know it's like a strobe kind of thing. Um, and so you, you put that on channel one, that fixture, and it labels the channel. But that's really all it does. Previous to you putting... Okay, it's like a blinder. Um, previous to you actually putting that, that channel on there, all the channels still output... And so what we can do is completely ignore the labels just for kicks, pull out your Shocker 2 user manual, which I'm pulling up here, and go to the page that has the DMX chart on it, okay? So I'm just scrolling through basically till I see a chart. First there's a menu chart, then there's uh, info about DMX. Okay, and then page 13 for the Shocker 2 manual is the DMX assignments. And there are different modes, okay? So there's an 8-channel mode, a 7, a 4, a 2, and a 1. So, depending on how much control you want, you first need to assign the mode, okay? Chances are, out of the box, it might be set to that eight channel mode, which is the highest. But if you're going ahead and you've patched, say, a two channel or a one channel mode, then the light might not work at all. So, what you want to do is go to the light, go to the manual, uh, get it in the mode that you want. You can see it kind of describes the different channel modes you know, if it's four channel or two or one or eight, and tells you what they can do. Personally, I'd probably use the four channel in DMXs because it gives you a dimmer, it gives you control of the two segments of the light, and it also gives you a strobe channel, uh, which I think is, is definitely beneficial depending on what kind of music you're doing. Okay, and so, Sean, once you do that, um, you'll, you'll set that mode using the menu on the shocker, and then set the address, okay, which I think you've already set to one, and it's not going to change when you you change the mode, but go back and set the address, because occasionally, some lights, in order to work in DMX mode, want you to be on that address screen on the light, okay, that's probably not this light, Um, I think it's built, it's a high enough quality light that, that it will respond anywhere, but regardless, and once you've done that, hold up that manual to DMXs, and just look at the channels, don't worry about what the DMXs channels say, okay, it doesn't matter. Um, that's just for your use and for labeling to make it simpler. So you can bring up channel one. That's the dimmer. Okay. So as you bring that up to full, nothing should happen. But then channel two and channel three, as you bring those up, you should get, as long as channel one's up, you should get some light coming out of that light. Okay. And then after that, if the online library doesn't match up, you know, go ahead and build one using the online library. I've got a video on YouTube about how to build fixtures for DMXs. Um, but chances are, you know, I mean, you could even run them just without labeling the channels. It, it'll still work. So hopefully that helps you, Sean. And I apologize, guys. My nose is definitely stuffing up and I feel snot just like going down my throat. I know that might be gross, but I might have to, it, you know, we'll we'll see how long I can go here um, answering your questions because I like to do that. But um, if I start coughing up a storm, then we might just stop. James writes it. Hello, thanks for your programs. I've learned so much. All right. I've been tasked with designing lighting. I'm just going to check, James. This is what I always do is just when somebody says thanks for your programs, make sure you're not a a customer inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs because if you are a member, then you should ask us there because instead of having to wait a month for the response or so, um, we answer quite quickly, but you're not. So at least not through this email. So I have been tasked with designing lights at our small church. I have a question. On our front truss lights for wash, my understanding is that I need to aim at angles in each zone. In the diagrams I see, lights appear almost better. I'm thinking angles are better. Yeah, James. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to link to um, a video on YouTube called How to Create an Awesome Even Wash of uh, Stage Light. I believe that's what it's called. And I have a newer version and an older version. Um, do look for the newer version. I'm so literally just typing an awesome even wash, which uh, Kari will do for the Show notes, and then the first one that comes up, there's an older one and a newer one. They're literally called the same thing, but the newer one is a question mark at the end. And there I talk through how I create an even wash. But yes, you're right. Angles are better. Most of the time, the diagrams you've seen, especially if it was done by like a system installer, they're just moving through real quick to build that diagram, and they just point everything straight forward in the diagram. But in reality, yeah, you want to have two lights coming at the person from about 45 degrees up and about 45 degrees off center. So the two lights are actually about 90 degrees to each other off of that, that center point being in the middle. Um, so 45 degrees to the left, 45 to the right, and then about 45 up for both those lights. And that's going to create, if you can hit that angle or close to it, uh, that's going to create a really good wash for you. Absolutely. Jake writes in, and Jake says, I have the Light Shark LS Core. And I'm trying to connect an Akai APC40 Mark II. I have some functions like the faders and the executor buttons working, but nothing else. How can I assign the rest to specific buttons? Great question, Jake. And it's really not too difficult. Okay, so out of the box, the the templates that come with the Light Shark. And by the way, the LS Core. Good job, because I think it is like one of the best bargains for an intermediate level console. Because they literally they let you do this. I it's I love how open they leave it that you can literally buy the LS Core for like six hundred bucks and bring in a MIDI controller, and then you have pretty much all the functionality of their LS One console for like half the price. So it's a no brainer. Like it's it's so awesome. I mean, yeah, the LS One's a really nice built console and it it, it is nice. Um, it has the the little tablet holder in it. it's a nice it's a really nice console. Uh, you know the hardware they did they did a great job on it and I think it's worth the money for sure. I think it's a bargain. But if you're looking to save money, man, the LS Core with a MIDI controller is just unbeatable. I think uh, for an intermediate level console. So how do you assign the rest of the stuff? Well, what you want to do, Jake, is they've kind of left that open to your interpretation. So it is an XML file, and um, you see that if you download the fixture file or you pull it out of your console by hitting export, pressing the file, getting it out of the console. Um, You'll see that you can literally rename the file. I think it's called a .lsmidi file. Just name it .xml. And then I use a program called Notepad++. You can use regular Microsoft Notepad or TextEdit on a Mac, but this Notepad++ uh, color codes things and makes it a little easier to work. So it's just an XML file. And what that means is that you'll kind of see a structure to it, especially if you've ever worked with HTML before, um, which is what web pages are made out of. And it basically just goes through and defines the buttons based on the MIDI note that they send, and then defines the faders. And so what you can do is literally go in there, um, find out what the MIDI commands are that the APC is sending. You'll find that in its manual. And then you can go to the LightShark manual and see all of the commands for MIDI there. There's like everything that the console can do can be controlled by MIDI, literally. It's awesome, at least most things. And you can go ahead then, and assign those various things that are in the MIDI uh, configuration there to the APC40, and then you are rocking. And so, yeah, Jake, um, if, if you do want help with that or you want me to do it uh, or help you, you, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, I do help people customize these things to their needs. So do check that out at learnstagelighting.com labs. Awesome. Gawi, I think I said, oh, Gabriel. Okay, that's a, that's a better way. Gabriel writes in and says, hi there, David want to thank you for your regular posting videos. Um, so he's the lighting guy. Okay. At his church in South Africa, they have Onyx with an M-Touch. Great. I have a quick question for you. Um, I ran into an issue where I want to modify certain cues in a Q-List, but for some reason they do not to re- want to record. I tried it with other Q-Lists and they seem to update fine, but others refuse to update the information. Why can this be? Blessings, Gabriel. So Gabriel... Um, there's kind of, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, so it's really fresh in my mind. In Onyx or MPC, the update function uh, works well. And it's designed for you to go ahead, take something, take some attributes of a light that are used in, in in a queue that's on your stage. You're able to, 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 p- to grab those attributes, modify them, and then update that queue, okay? The problem with the update function in Onyx, and it's kind of... Um, you know, it's kind of it's that balance that the console designers have to have between simplicity and complication. Because the way that it works is that if the attributes of the lights you've selected aren't in any active queue, when you press update, nothing's going to come up for you to update, okay? And this is on purpose. Because if they literally when you press update showed you every active queue inside the console, you could have hundreds and it would be a pain in the butt to sort through all those to find the one you actually want to update. Okay. And so that's why it works the way it does. Now, um, you're, you're probably in this place from what I guess that you've pressed update. You're trying to add something to a queue that wasn't there before. And therefore the queue you, you want isn't there. Well, there's a couple things you could do. The first is if you literally go in and select a light, Um, that is in that queue and select an attribute and just just touch it, just load that attribute or just touch it like a percentage, now that queue will show up to update because you've selected something that's in that queue. The other way, and the way that I usually do it, honestly, is select that queue list, okay, put that white box around it, uh, click on it, and then just press record queue and then X, um, and X being the number of that Q. So record Q1 or Q5 or whatever the Q is. And then you'll get a pop-up that says, um, what do you want to do? you want to press merge. It's the top option. Um, and then that will merge the new stuff into that old Q. And, and then you'll be rocking. All right. Um, so that, that does seem to be your problem. Um, Nathan writes in and says, I'm having an issue getting my Chauvet moving heads to pan and tilt with D-Pro faders. I've set them to override and they respond. But what I need is one slider to pan, um, one slider to tilt. At the moment when the slider gets pushed, it pans and tilts. All right. So, yeah, the problem here, Nathan, and this happens in a lot of consoles, okay? It's not it's not just a D-Pro thing. Is that what the console's doing for you is when you select the lights, and I'm pulling up D-Pro right now, and you pan or tilt them, um, it lights up both of them, okay? And, and the reason why it selects both channels is just simply because... Uh, they think in these consoles, and this is most consoles, and they're right, that most of the time, even if you just select pan, uh, they also select tilt and give it a value too because ultimately the two pretty much always work together. But in this example, you actually don't want them to work together, right? So if I go in the programmer and I select some moving lights and I move the tilt, it now says in the programmer, pan 0% tilt, Sixty-three percent in this example, um, and then the fine are, are at zero for the pan and tilt. So the question becomes: Okay, what we need to do here is disable um, the the second attribute. So if you're trying to make a slider to pan, you need to disable tilt on that slider. You need to not record that in there um, in order for it to work. And you know, right now off the top of my head, I'm looking at it, and I don't think you can do that in D Pro. Um, you know, D-Pro, I love, I love D-Pro. It used to be really uh, a solid program. Um, it's They haven't kept it up to date, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to see. Um, and so I'm not sure that that's something we can do inside D-Pro. Um, so I apologize. Can't help you there um, because as I'm looking at it, there's there's no way that I see to be able to disable the tilt when you're working with Pan or vice versa. Um, and so unfortunately, I'm not sure that's something that you're going to be able to get it done inside of D-Pro. David writes in, nice name, I run a small comedy theater in Oakland, our space is shared, so I was considering getting some portable lights for our show. We basically need blackouts and slow fades, yeah, I get it, it's comedy. Two sets of these lights were recommended, the Chauvet DJ Six Spot um, RGB system, the stage is about 20 feet long by 12 feet deep, it's 20 feet wide, I think you're saying, um, by 12 feet deep, give or take, will these lights work? Um... I saw another portable light system. The light were no longer working. It was two lights with simple board. Okay. Okay, so you actually linked to the 4-bar system, uh, the 4-bar LT Quad, because again, as we talked about at the top of the show, um, some of these lights, just some of these companies, they literally update their lights every year, and it drives me nuts because you can't get the same thing two years in a row. Um, And so, gosh, you know, for what you need, yeah, two sets of four bars will work. The sixth spot is a different fixture. It's a very narrow, very beamy, like really tight circles kind of thing. And that's not what you need. Um, but, you know, two of those four bars, I mean, they could work. Um, you would need some kind of a console with it. Even their basic, you know, Obey 40 consoles from Chauvet, even though like don't recommend them much. You could totally just grab the faders on those and bring your lights up and down um, with the fader you know, it would work. Um, it's not the best console ever, but you know, it's cheap. Um, but you know, that's going to be the easiest, um, probably something like a four bar, like you said, because you can put up four lights in like a minute because they're all on this bar and they're all wired together and you just plug in DMX and and go. Okay. And then you plug it into your console, you plug it into the light, go from the DMX out to the second light and you're ready to go. Um, it's not going to be the most elegant situation solution, but, you know, it will work. Um, it will definitely work. It'll definitely get the job done. And honestly, on a really inexpensive budget, it's probably the best thing out there for what you're doing. Yeah, I think you were aimed, aimed in the right direction by going with those four bars. Um, you know, there's there's a billion ways to slice a cake, and you could do a better job with a lot more complications setting up. Um, but I think kind of bang for the buck and and the amount of, impact you get for your time in setting a couple of these up, you'll you'll definitely see it um, being a lot better than nothing. All right, one more question before my voice goes here. Brandon writes in, I've started watching your page on YouTube. Um, I'm a magician. Awesome. Actually, I talk to a lot of magicians and illusionists, Brandon. Uh, you know, it seems like every month I talk to one, and it's just as a quick aside here. Um, I worked, I toured with two different illusionists um, during my career and uh, have a lot of experience in that world, so I understand what you're working with, just kind of as a basic there, um, a basic option there. But um, so the the basic idea here is that you want to wash your stage you really want to um, go ahead and you know make some basic effects, but above all else, you know you just want it to set up quick and be able to really pull some cool moods, you know, where maybe most of the stage is one color and then you spotlight just the center, um, et cetera. Like, I I get this world because I've I've done a lot of illusions and I've toured with these guys, and so I know what you need. Um, You're basically looking to to light a certain area on stage in white, maybe put the rest in color, you know, occasionally do some cool effects and stuff, and just have a nice theatrical performance with smooth fade-ins and fade-outs. And so what I'd recommend... To you, Brandon, is go to the website, uh, go to learnstagelighting.com and grab my free guide for band lighting. Okay. And in there, I recommend NTX DMX's lighting console and the Chauvet four bars. Or now I think I recommend the ADJ version because the pricing is a little better and it's like the same thing. The star bar, I think they're called. Um, Excuse me. But, you know, these work really well for the kind of things you're doing. Because they're quick to set up, just like the last guy answered. They're really quick to set up, really easy. And um, you're able to throw up those two four bars real quick. Program DMXs. DMXs is awesome for the solo performer. Because you can trigger it a number of ways. You can have somebody trigger it off stage. You can trigger it from backing tracks or from music, uh, from DAWs using MIDI. You can also, they have a little companion program called ShowBuddy which allows you to bring in your music and line up the lighting cues if you want to do that. Or you can just hook up a foot pedal. You could literally put that like center stage in the middle and then down, down in the front. And then every time you hit that foot pedal, it goes to the next scene. Okay. Nice and simple and really theatrical. You can do fade times. You can do everything in DMXs that you'd want. And it's I would definitely get that over like a Chauvet Obey 40 or something, some little simple console with faders. You know, go with a PC or Mac, get DMXs. Man, you you won't regret it. It's very theatrical. And then, you know, you can get these couple these couple lights on stands. They'll give you a good front light. And if you want to expand in the future, then you've already got that base, that good console to do so. And so, yeah, that that's definitely what I'd recommend to you. Grab that guide. I, I talk through it for bands, basically, but, you know, it's the same kind of vision for you except you're just doing theatrical work. Uh, But it's the same idea that you're coming into a venue. You got to set up the stuff quick and you want a great and impactful show. And those would be my options to do that. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone, guys and ladies, everyone, for listening today. It's been wonderful. Thank you guys for listening. Seriously, uh, I hope you guys are having a new year. You've probably seen already on YouTube on Learn Stage Lighting this month. We're diving into church lighting more deeply than I have before, or band lighting. Next month's church lighting, I'm sorry and um i I tell you what i 'm probably at this point moving into my new office and catching a baby uh, at the same time. And, um, but there's going to be so much good stuff this year in 2020. So they might be quiet for a few minutes. I'm not going to put out as much stuff in January as I always do. But as we get into February, as we get into the next month's man, I've got so many, so many cool ideas, so much cool stuff that I'm going to be working on Uh, a pile, literally a small pile of gear that I've got to review and work with here and, and share with you guys some new stuff and some stuff that might be helpful to you, or I'll tell you if it's not, because that's what we do here on Rain Stage Lighting. It's a, you know, we don't we don't BS, we don't, uh, you know, I don't take sponsorships from brands. I haven't in the past, and I am not really planning to do that because I always want to give you my honest opinion on things. And while I truly, truly believe that most of the time now, these days, most of these manufacturers, they put out good stuff and their product is good for someone. But a lot of the time, um, just to get on my um, my rabbit trail here, a lot of the time, the people will sell something that isn't exactly what you need um it really doesn't fit your use even if it's a good product for somebody else um just because it's what's within their brand and i hate that and so that's what i'm here to combat above all other things so anyways check everything out be sure to subscribe here and i will see you guys on the next episode big stuff coming up this year guys thank you for listening